inside the confines of a standardized curriculum box to a teaching and learning space that is more creative? And how can you make this leap in your teaching practice in an easy and more systematic way that doesn't create more work for yourself during planning sessions? This is what I'm hoping to accomplish with Get Off the Dotted Line, a podcast that gives elementary teachers simple step-by-step tools, guidance, and advice on how to make teaching more creative without sacrificing high-quality content, instruction, skills, and amazing learning potential for your students. I'm your host, Dr. Paige Hendricks, and together we will explore different ways to simplify your planning and add a lot of creative impact that is outside the confines of standardized curriculum and the dotted lines. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about a series of five steps that, when strung together, create a plan for your mathematics classroom that elevates the learning for all students, allows students to work at their own pace, and allows you, the teacher, the ability to know exactly where your students are mathematically. These topics are adapted from the Modern Classrooms Project. The Modern Classrooms Project is an organization that offers resources, professional development for teachers, and mentors to assist in implementing their teaching and learning philosophy that includes blended instruction, self-paced learning, and mastery-based grading. I highly encourage you to check out their website and their resources. It's pretty epic. So by the end of this episode, I promise you will have a list of five steps that will create a pathway for you to set up the mathematics learning in your classroom that reaches all students' abilities, differentiates instruction, and works towards mastery. Again, you may be able to implement these topics into any content area, but we're in math class now, so I'll stay with math for the time being. And stay tuned for the Cut That Out section of the podcast, where I'll give you access to a handout so you can remember the topics we talked about and use them right away. Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, this episode will help you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. In episodes 22 and 23, I spoke about easy, easy for the teacher, tips to implement into your mathematics instruction that assist the students who finish the assignment earlier than everyone else. In this episode, I want to dig a bit deeper into thinking differently about how your math class time could be structured to allow for students to work at their own pace, thus avoiding the early finisher altogether, and all the while keeping the learning elevated for all students during a specific time period. This episode is adopted, as I mentioned in the intro, from the Modern Classrooms Project, And it may require some additional time and effort and planning on your part as a teacher. Therefore, I encourage you to listen to this podcast now and then again when you're thinking about planning for next school year or in a few months to change up things a bit because you'll need the extra time to do the prep work. But I think it's time well worth it. So let's discuss. Many of the elementary math texts and textbooks are divided broadly by topic and individually by chapter. 
Each chapter supports the overarching topic by breaking down that topic into parts. In addition, the chapters often have a progression about them from easiest to understand and subsequently more difficult to understand. Okay, did I just confuse you with all that? Let me give you an example. My son uses everyday math at his school. The first unit in the everyday math textbook for second graders is called Numbers and Routines. That's the big unit. There are 12 lessons in that unit breaking down that overarching topic of numbers and routines, and each of those lessons build upon the previous, starting with really simple lessons for lesson one to really complex lessons for lesson 12, but again, all about numbers and routines. So again, for example, lesson one is about number sequence, numbers in order, and lesson two is about using objects and coins. Lesson three is calendars and clocks and so on until lesson 12 is about base 10 in preparation for unit two, which is addition and subtraction, or using numbers the students know now in a systematic manner. Okay, caveat here. Let me do a little sidebar. Please note, I'm not endorsing everyday math nor the University of Chicago in particular. This is simply just an example to help me make my point about math textbooks and how they're structured. Just an example. Since the progression in many math textbooks is already laid out for the teacher, it's easy to see and it's easy to understand what needs to be taught, what needs to be learned, and where the students are headed in their learning. Looking at the table of contents for the math book I used when I was teaching gave me enough information to figure all of this out in just about 10 minutes. So I was able to figure out what I needed to teach today, what I needed to teach tomorrow, and what I needed to teach next week, and so on, until I was finished with each chapter, and more importantly, until I was finished with as much of the book as I possibly could get through. I was able to figure out the entire math curricular scope and the sequence for the whole school year, meaning where I had to begin teaching math and where I had to end teaching math before my students went on to the next grade, which was second grade. This math map in the table of contents of the math textbook reminds me of the game Shoots and Ladders. We kept going from square to square in a systematic manner, hoping that occasionally we landed on a ladder where everyone in the class understood the lesson and we could move on more quickly. And we always, every day, wanted to avoid as much as possible the shoots, where I had to figure out what to do when half the students in my class were staring blankly at me because they had no idea what I was talking about in this lesson. Is my analogy working for you too? Taking the 10 or 15 minutes to hang out in the table of contents of the math book we were using was not just beneficial for me, but this mind map can be used with your students too. So let me explain. After you've gotten a hold of your math textbook and you've looked through it and understood the chapters in that book, the first step towards setting up your pathway of mathematics learning is to recreate this for your students in a way that resonates with them. I've included one version as part of the handout with this episode, but picture like a snake or a circle chain or something loopy-loopy that connects all together that has one circle or one square for every task the student needs to complete for the entire chapter of material before then going on to the next chapter. And you could consider making one sheet per chapter, or you could put multiple chapters on a sheet. It's completely up to you, and that doesn't really even matter. The point is, is it creates a self-paced 
personalized learning environment for each student because each student gets a copy of this map to work off of at their own pace, however fast or slowly they need to. So to recap, step number one in this process is write or print out the whole chapter map, at least one chapter for your students. This map has a predictable sequence of events that I'd follow, and I would go over this in detail, and I will go over it in a little bit in this uh, podcast. But I also will finish with a full example of my modified version of what Modern Classrooms Project is trying to achieve. So stick with me here, just go through this, and I'll complete the whole process after breaking it out into parts for explanation purposes. Okay, moving on to step number two. Step number two is to pre-assess. I am a firm believer that there is nothing more telling about whether or not a student knows the content well, any content, math or otherwise, whether they know it just okay, or whether they don't know what's going on at all, than a pre-assessment. This pre-assessment doesn't have to be lengthy. In fact, I was a firm believer too in five questions or less, and we usually averaged about three. So keep them short, keep them easy for you to do, and keep them coming. But it will take some planning to do these pre-assessments because you'll have to make up a few of these for each chapter or even one per lesson within each chapter for the students. But the information given to you and the student on the content known or unknown is super valuable, and it helps negate the early finisher because I already know the content syndrome. Step number three is for the students to get their individual folders with their map and begin their self-paced work. This is where the magic happens. Students who have completed their pre-assessment, also a point, remember, on their map, already know from the map where to go next. Based upon the pre-assessment, maybe the student knows everything for Chapter 1, Section 1, so he can then go on and take the pre-assessment for Chapter 1, Section 2, and so on. Or maybe another student was challenged by the pre-assessment for Chapter 1, Section 1, so this student is probably going to go to Step 4, which is then teaching the content. Modern Classrooms suggests using a blended learning environment where the teacher completes a mini lesson to the entire class or just for those students who need the content off to the side. The teacher could also create a short video or a short PowerPoint with video or with um, voice over in the background with a note-taking sheet for some students to watch and work with at their individual desks on a tablet or Like I said, the teacher works with a small group of students at a table somewhere in the classroom on that particular lesson. Whichever way the content is delivered, the goal here is to teach the content, the exact content, to the students who need it. Using this model, there's a direct relationship between the content each student is learning and the level at which they can perform toward mastery. This is really differentiation of instruction at its best. And this step also serves to allow the teacher to see firsthand how the individual students are progressing on learning the content. This teacher can then address any challenges that any students are having and offer extra practice and continue to move the student forward. So step number four also includes the work the students will do to practice this actual content, and it could be a workbook page that accompanies the textbook that you already have on hand. It could be a math center game. It could be working with a partner to complete a sheet or working with the teacher to complete something short. The options are open to whatever you want the students to do to be sure that completes the 
um, learning process and the content in that learning process. And it offers some additional choices for students who finish something more quickly if you want to ensure that they've actually mastered the content before moving on. So you could have students do a worksheet and go on to a math center game with a partner. That would be a double duty where you'd have them complete the worksheet, but then also make sure as they went to the center game with a partner that they actually had mastered the content before moving on to the next section. Step five is a post-assessment for mastery. Modern classrooms suggest that the first time students complete the post-assessment alone. After you've reviewed it, and then you determine the student moves forward or the student stays at that level and continues on with more practice. So say the student achieved a five out of five on the post-assessment doing it all by themselves. That's a definite move-on situation. A four out of five, you decide. A three out of five, I would say then a bit more practice is probably necessary here, but that's your call and so on and so on. Any questions missed on the post-assessment are reviewed and corrected by the student and often with the teacher help. Or you could have the student fix their mistakes on their own and then bring it back to you for a reassessment. Or you could review the missed problems with the student and then have her complete another version of the post-assessment individually. Modern classrooms often would have two versions of a pre-assessment available to students and two versions of a post-assessment, but that's, again, completely up to you. Whatever your strategy, the student must show independent mastery. So there is some work here for you as the teacher in creating these post-assessments or one post-assessment. Um, or the few versions, like I said, of the post-assessment. But luckily, these may exist in your textbook already, or they may be in the workbook that accompanies your textbook. So look around and don't reinvent the wheel here. You may be able to find something that you already have available. A few takeaways here overall on this five-step process adapted from modern classrooms. First, the teacher acts as a facilitator in this type of learning environment. There is instruction going on for sure, but it's small and it's tailored and it's only for those who need it when they need it. So it's not a teacher preparing for a big whole group instruction process that lasts, you know, 30, 20, 30, 40 minutes. It's really just getting the students to come to you when they actually need you and getting them to work independently for the majority of the time. So you act as more of a facilitator than a teacher in this instance. Second, The students can have the opportunity to work alone or with a partner at any time. And again, this is up to you and your students, and they should have some guidelines that are consistent so that when they're working with partners, the students understand that real work is going on and not some something else. Finally, you'll have to have some way to get a quick look at what's going on where the students are, like a big visual in the classroom somewhere. So I'd recommend color coding the map for each chapter and making a board accordingly. Say you break up chapter two into four main parts, red, blue, yellow, and green, and then have these four colors of paper on a board somewhere in the classroom or on your smart board so we can all see and use it and have student faces or student names with magnets or Velcro so that the students can move around when they complete a section. So you as the teacher can look up somewhere in your classroom and get a quick glance at who is on the red section, who's on the blue section, and so on. And this old school visual really makes sense here because you need to have a pulse on everything that's going on in your classroom at all times. So that's it. Five efficient and creative steps for you to consider implementing during your mathematics instruction. 
Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, I hope these five steps will create a pathway for you to set up the mathematics learning in your classroom that reaches all students' abilities, differentiates instruction, and works toward mastery and help you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. Before we part, this section of the podcast called Cut That Out is one I do every time. Here I'll give you access to a handout so you can remember the five steps that create a plan for your mathematics classroom that elevates the learning for all students, allows students to work at their own pace, and allows you, as the teacher, the ability to know exactly where your students are mathematically. You can find the handout at my website at pagehendricks.com. That's P-A-I-G-E-Hendricks.com, along with today's show notes. Thank you so much for joining me this week. To review key takeaways from today's episode and get the free handout, please visit my website at pagehendricks.com. That's P-A-I-G-E-Hendricks.com. Before we go, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more. Please subscribe to Get Off the Dotted Line. I can't wait to share another podcast with you. Thank you again for joining me, Dr. Paige Hendricks, in today's episode of Get Off the Dotted Line. See you next time.